0: Before we get started, um, I just want to ask everyone who's listening, if you find the podcast or this episode helpful, please share, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you're listening. Uh, Leave a review if you can. It really helps to get the podcast out to whoever it can help. And um, the easiest way for you guys to help me get more listeners is... uh, to share it with people that you think it'll help. So um, I really appreciate it. And on to the show. This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. So building off of uh, last week's episode where I spoke about um, your primary stress response, uh, this week I really want to talk about how we shift out of uh, our freeze and fawn responses. Now, the thing with... um, the thing with our primary stress response, we talked about fight or flight last week also, and fight and flight are your, uh, just to recap real quick, uh, are your primary, very instinctual hardwired from when we were Neanderthals kind of stress response. Uh, they are, they are usually short term and they, burn themselves out, meaning there's only so long that your nervous system can stay in either one of those responses, which is why with humans, freeze and fawn exist. Freeze and fawn are the more adaptive version of fight and flight. They are ways um, that your nervous system kind of regulates itself a little bit to kind of a maintain a higher stress level because that's what they are the the responses themselves are a stress response so you are it is your nervous system's way of maintaining a level of alertness Um, but it's um it's a shift out of fight or flight because fight or flight are not a sustainable um stress response it cannot maintain those long term the neurotransmitters involved the actual length of those responses are not very long in, in the grand scheme of things. So when we shift out of those into freeze and fawn, it's, it can get hard as you, especially when you have a abusive background, especially with narcissistic abuse in particular, it can be really hard once you're into freeze or fawn to shift out of it. They're adaptive responses. You learn how to do that to survive in a time in your life when you don't have a lot of agency, when you don't have a lot of control over how the adults and the caregivers around you are are dealing with you. And so, these two responses are really a response to that environment, and they do help you survive to a certain point. And then you get to the point where you are now, and you're trying to undo a lot of that damage or heal a lot of that damage. And you you may find yourself having a really hard time shifting out of these adaptive stress responses. Um, I know personally for me, I, and, and the clients that I tend to, um, I tend to work with one-on-one, um, we are usually stuck in freeze. Uh, freeze is a really, um, common one that I've seen with myself and with, um, my clients that is really hard to shift out of that. We tend to, um, that's almost like a comfort. It's almost, um, it's almost weird. If we go into a situation, uh, either new or old, and that response doesn't come up because it, it has been so ingrained in us for so long. And that is the issue with freeze and fawn. These responses come as a result of childhood abuse. They are the formative tracks on which your nervous system is built. So when you're trying to undo all of that and really kind of break your nervous system down and try to build new tracks for it to follow, it is hard. It does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of effort, conscious effort on your part. To be able to break down your responses, to be able to look at yourself with a level of awareness without attaching any blame or shame and being and, and being able to assess yourself with some kind of compassion and discipline to consistently um, break apart that those you know adaptive long-term stress responses to in order to become more regulated and um, to be able to, to become more resilient toward the stress that you are experiencing now and not replaying a stress that you experienced as a child um, and hopefully create a life that is more fulfilling and more um, filled with relationships that are aligned with who you are versus who you were. The... The the thing about shifting out of the uh, out of freeze and fawn is that it can take a while, so there is a lot of having to override what you're feeling there's a lot of having to override even what your body is telling you to a certain degree. And because there's that initial inertia that's involved, and there's it's um, in chemistry it's called activation energy. There's a certain amount of energy that any sort of reaction or any sort of change that it needs in order to um, in order for a reaction to happen, it has to achieve a certain amount of energy before that will happen, before that said reaction will happen. And I think of shifting out of these responses, uh, out of freeze and Fawn, in a similar way. You will have this built-up inertia that comes from being in freeze and fawn for as long as you've been in it and for most of us it's been decades we've been in these responses for decades we've been able to do what we needed to do to survive but when it comes to ourselves we have continually abandoned ourselves to so in order to become more proactive with ourselves and our lives and not just everybody else we have to overcome a lot of this internal inertia that comes from living in these responses for an extended period of time now with freeze, freeze is exactly what it sounds like. Freeze, what, um, what, how you might experience a freeze response is procrastination. Um, it's a lot of what um, with ADHD, especially in women, they like to. Uh, it's coming up as executive dysfunction, which is like I want to do the thing. I really, I, I have everything that I need to do the thing, but I cannot get myself to do the thing. Um, that is. ADHD itself is a trauma response, is a a, a, a trauma condition, and freeze is, you know, that procrastination, that inability to use your executive function to override whatever is the rest, rest of your brain is trying to tell you, rest of your nervous system is telling you, is what freeze response is. You are literally kind of stuck in place even if you might look like you're doing things. So you might do all the other things except for the one thing that you need to do that's really, really important. This is something that I was very good at. I would find a way to, I would either procrastinate on everything, which is I'm not doing anything, I'm just gonna scroll on my phone while I'm laying in bed, or I would take care of everything else before I could get to the thing that I needed to do. And somehow the thing that I needed to do would never get done. And I'm very, very good at that. I was good at that for a very, very long time. And the other thing with both the freeze and fawn, but it can, freeze in and of itself, if you're not actively trying to move yourself out of it, out of that response, it, on its own, it will eventually thaw out, but it can take years. And this is from like my own personal experience. I have been stuck in a version of a freeze response for an extended period of time for at least three years per time that I went through this. And the, and I know that I went through it at like, I consciously know that I went through it three times. Now there might've been some times before I started doing this work that I was stuck in it too. I just don't have any conscious memory of that, nor do I have any, um, um, uh, documentation, like as far as my journals or anything like that, that could remind me as to what I was going through. But I know that since I started doing this work, there are three separate times in my life from from within the last, uh, 15 years or so that I have been stuck in freeze for at least three years because I did not know how to shift out of it. And by the way, during these times I was in therapy. I was working, I was going to school and, uh, for a couple of those times I was in school while I was working part-time. Um, and I had, I was going out with my friends. I was uh, doing all of the things. I didn't look like I was stuck in a freeze response, but I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do for me. And that is really where you are, where you can kind of differentiate between, well, what does freeze look like for me? This is really where it comes in: is that when you are, when you have an abuse foundation, and that is what your nervous system is built on. If you have childhood abuse, narcissistic abuse, and your nervous system is built on that environment, you are going to have stress responses as your primary way of dealing with things, and your stress response is also. You may you might be living too simultaneous stress responses at the same time. Freeze often coexists with fawn because in order for one to exist, the other one does almost as a compensatory response because you will show up for other people, that would be fawn, without ever showing up for yourself, which is freeze. If you froze in every area of your life, somewhere, somewhere along the way, someone would have, you hope that somebody would have noticed that. But the reason why we get away with these things for so long, why we are not held accountable for our own behavior by the people that love us and the people that want us to do well is that they don't see it. We cover it up. Um, So you you might be able to, similar to the way I was, similar to a lot of way that my clients in the past have been, which is... They are able to show up for their kids, their spouse, their work, their family, their parents, their siblings. They're able to show up for everybody, no matter how much damage those people may have done to their lives or how much those people might want to help them in their lives. But they are absolutely unable to show up for themselves, whether it's trying to get a job where you are a little bit um, more, where you feel more valued, whether it's um, trying to make headway on your career um, in a way that you want to, versus what the, whatever industry you're, you're in expects you to, whether it's trying to show up as a better parent, but, re- um, that requires you having to do some introspection and you're not able to do that part. So you're still showing up as the parent, as a traumatized parent, rather than a actively healing parent, um, as a conscious parent. So it's, it can show up in any number of different ways. But it's really important that once you gain the awareness that you, what your primary stress response is, what what your adaptive stress response is and what that looks like for you. And you're able to recognize that maybe in some areas you show up as freeze and maybe in some other areas you show up as fawn. How do I shift out of this? How do I get over this energetic hump that exists within me about staying within these stress responses because I've been in them for so long. And then how do I shift out of them without freaking myself and my nervous system out? And it's, and it's a slow process guys. I like, I cannot state this enough. You don't want to force yourself too far, too fast. It's very um, enticing to do that because you've been stuck in it for so long, and that stuckness does create this kind of really icky feeling within our bodies, and you're just you just want to get out of it. But if you do too much too fast, you will um, ba- it will backfire on you, and you will regress, and you're going to regress a little bit regardless. That's kind of the whole point of this: is that each time you push a little bit forward, at some point that rubber band's going to snap back a little bit and you've got to come back and then you got to push forward again. That's in the, in the beginning stages, it's very frustrating. It's already so hard. It already takes up so much of your energy and your capacity to move through it, to kind of even learn how to shift yourself out of these responses that when you try to, um, and then when you have to deal with the setbacks, I always, I always tell my clients, like when they, I, Whenever I'm on a call with a client, the one of the last things they ask me before they sign up is, "How long do you think this is going to take?" And I know that I've asked other, I've asked coaches at myself when I've been on calls with them, and they'll they've given me the snake oil salesman's pitch of like, "Oh, it shouldn't take that long," or you know, as long as you show up and do the work, it should you know, it should work relatively quickly. And I am honest with my prospective clients and my clients as I have them there is no timeline on these things. When it comes to healing your nervous system, I can't tell you how long it'll take. I really can't. Even if you show up and do the work every day and you do all of the work that's required of you, there is still no timeline. Sometimes some people will see a massive shift within three months and then six months later, they'll regress. Some people make steady progress for six months and then they kind of hold steady for a while. Everyone's bodies responds differently to this work. Everyone's mind is, um, is able to grasp the, the magnitude of what you're doing differently. So it's just, it's just, you know, you have to be open to being like, this might just, this might just take me a while. It might just take me a while and that's okay. Because doing it taking a while is better than me not doing it all and living like a miserable fuck. Like the I mean, those are literally your options. So it's up to you whether you just wanna be like, hey, slow and steady wins a race. And also you gotta understand this stuff is like lifelong work. You don't really get over it. You just learn how to do it more efficiently and you get more attuned to yourself, the more attuned you are to your body, the more able you are to know what you need, when you need it, how you need it. And that's really kind of like, that's really is my goal. When I work with clients one-on-one, when I work with anyone, it's just, we're not looking to like, get through this healing process as fast as possible we're trying to lessen the time that you stay in a stress response so that you can kind of move forward and move through whatever it is you're moving through and kind of consistently just keep doing that so that it's not being bogged down in your body so you're not holding on to it for so long that it starts to affect other areas of your life outside of just your relationship with yourself So now that I have all that out of the way, (laughs) um, this next part is a lot more succinct and uh, concise. So if you're stuck in freeze, the antidote to freeze is its opposite, which is movement of some sort. So uh, this is where um, exercise comes in really handy. This is where um, your access to nature comes in very handy um this is where access to your body becomes a- incredibly important as well when you are stuck in freeze what you are doing is pretty much dissociating and you're living in your head outside of your body you are staying within the thoughts that your nervous system is creating within your ear between your ears rather than living within your body and trying to figure out okay the aches and pains and whatever my body, the signals my body is sending me about this stress response, I'm not able to handle it. So I'm just going to live up here above my shoulders because that's, um, see, that's a safer space. That's been a historically safe space for me to live in because I was not allowed to live in my body as a child. So if you find yourself being stuck in freeze, now this can, like I said before, this can show up in any number of different ways. You could be stuck in bed, um, on a day when you need to, when, you know, you told yourself that you were going to do X, Y, and Z, and you're not, it's not that you're not feeling well. It's not that you're not, you don't have the energy necessarily for it. It's just, you're, you're frozen and you're on your phone and you're scrolling, or you're just in a cocoon of some sort, whatever that looks like for you, you're procrastinating whatever that may look like for you. It could look like a lot of movement, but none of it is productive movement for you. Whatever that productiveness is supposed to look like, Um, productivity is supposed to look like. It could be that you're supposed to be, um, you wanted to clean your house because it's been stressing you out, so instead you go and garden, but your house is still a mess. Okay. But the source of your stress is still causing you stress. So you haven't really actually resolved the issue. You've just kind of diverted yourself from it, but you still have to come back to that source of stress. And you're wondering why you're still stuck in this response. You want to move. You need to move. You need to thaw yourself out. Literally, you need to kind of get some sort of movement going in your body. Let that, whatever emotion is coming up that is stuck let it it find a flow so it can move out of you and live outside of you. And that for me, personally, for me, that is a walk or dancing. Those are usually the two things that I do to move myself out of a freeze response. For somebody else, that might be a a workout. You might need to go to the gym. Um, Maybe you need to go for a walk too. Um, Maybe you need to go for a hike. Something that causes you to move. Literally, you need to move your body because the emotion is stuck someplace, most likely it's either in your hips or your shoulders, just FYI, um, but you need to get it moving so that it, then, then you can move out of it. The one thing to remember with these stress responses is that they occur because at some point in the natural progressive, progression of a stress response, we stop ourselves. We stop ourselves from feeling it, we stop ourselves from experiencing it, so it gets truncated. It doesn't get to go through the whole like climb and fall of a stress response, it gets stopped. Either midway through the climb or somewhere near the peak, it gets stopped. And as humans, we have the ability to do that. Almost every other animal that doesn't have our brain is not able to really do that. They will follow through on a stress response. At some point, it will, it will complete the cycle within them. We, as humans, have the ability to stop a stress response. Unfortunately, what happens when we do that is that it then lives in our bodies because we did not complete the cycle. And that's where we get the back pain and the knee pain and the foot pain and the, and the shoulder pain and the neck pain and the headaches and the migraines. That's where all of that comes from. And the, the, you know, the indigestion, the IBS, all of it, like all of that comes from truncated emotions that were not able to fully process through us because we stopped it. So if you are stuck in freeze, you start moving, you need to make sure that it, you are allowing whatever emotion is stuck to come up and fulfill its complete cycle. Now, please remember that because you stopped one emotion that means you also probably stopped a whole bunch of other ones that were coming right behind it so the release out of freeze might cause you to cry and scream and punch a pillow or any other sort of responses to come out of you as these emotions are are processing through let them allow yourself to be in a space safe enough to do that Cars are very good. Cars and parking lots are very useful for that. I scream into my pillow constantly. Showers usually work well for that too. You need to allow that full response to go through, and all the ones behind it that haven't been able to. And then eventually, if you give yourself—and usually, what in my experience it can take anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours, depending on how much you had kind of stored up. And now this is not, this is just, um, just a caveat to this whole, this whole process. When you're shifting out of freeze and fawn, and you're not doing childhood, like inner child inner teenager work. If it's just like something that came up, and this is like kind of like maintenance mode kind of stuff, it will take anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours for your nervous system to kind of come back down to neutral, and then you'll be able to kind of think clearly, feel clearly, everything will, and feel more connected to your like everything kind of resets itself. If you are doing inner child or inner teenager work, and this stuff comes up, um, you most likely will fall asleep whatever however much you move through it will be exhausting for you you will need to sleep whether that's for a nap or for the night and then once you wake up you should be in a somewhat of a better state of being just as a whole that's just a general guideline it depends on on your fluency with working with yourself and it also um, depends on the depth of the wound that you were working on so it is context dependent, but for the most part, that's kind of like the general guideline. If it's maintenance mode, usually once you kind of work through it, after you shift out of the response, 30 minutes to two hours is kind of like a nice window where you should come be back to neutral. If it's childhood crap, then you might need to actually like rest, rest before your nervous system is able to take on anything else. Just a uh, heads up on that one. So the antidote for freeze is movement whatever that movement is like to you. My suggestion has always been, let it be something that you used to love to do as a kid and you weren't allowed to do. Um, That usually always helps kind of, again, recreate that connection to your body because as kids, we really don't have, um, unless an adult comes in and tells us that it's wrong, we don't have a filter as to what makes us happy. So that's always kind of like a nice place to start. With Fawn... The fawn response is you giving up your own sense of self for everybody else's sense of self. Like you are all out here maintaining everybody else without, in an attempt to maintain yourself, but you're never actually maintaining yourself. So the, and usually fawn actually looks like somebody who is hyperactive. So, um, this can look like somebody who's constantly busy doing, I have to go do this for someone, I have to go take care of this, I got to go do this, and then I got to go, I have work, and then I have my kids, and then I, I got I got this. And then that's usually that person, it, no one's ever actually that busy. Um, if you are that busy, that usually is because you are taking on other people's needs and other people's um, response, the responsibility of other people in an attempt to, to self-soothe. To take care of whatever inner wounds are coming up for you, that is how you are dealing with it, and also it's a giant distraction. As long as you got somebody else to take care of, you never have to deal with your own bullshit. That's uh, that's how Fawn works. Um, and again, freeze and Fawn coexist a lot of the time. They coexist and. And it, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because if you're so busy taking care of other people, then you never really have time to take care of yourself. You can procrastinate and freeze on yourself for, for years and years and years. People have done it. People continue to do it. The, the antidote to fawn is actually to stop, is to take a breath, to pause, and to, uh, and to, and to do anything that will force you back into your body and to confront yourself. Now, this is not easy. And honestly, it sounds, even as I'm saying it right now, um, even though I've said it in in that same exact way probably dozens of times before, it sounds very nebulous. There's like no, it's hard to kind of do a concrete thing um, with fawn. But really what it is, is to pause and take a breath. because you're go, 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 the antidote to that is to pause, is to stop, is to actively actually relax. So meditation works really well here. Breath work is very, it can be very important here. Um, gentle movement will work here. So, um, this is where, uh, mobility work. Actually, I, I, tend to recommend to my, to my clients. It's what I also do for myself. Um, again, you're going to notice that you're going to have some pain in your body the cause you've been disconnecting from your body for so long in order to take care of other people that you won't, you have not, when you do stop for a second, what you will notice almost the first thing you notice is everywhere where your body hurts. And what I've noticed in people who are chronically in fawn is that they have headaches, um, their shoulders and their neck hurts a lot and their hips center hurt. So again, these are your big emotional center. Like you're like togged like logged up emotions, suck emotions are kind of in those three spots. And the headaches are usually because you're so much time in your head thinking about the next thing that you need to do. You never actually drop your energy down below your neck. You never actually get all of that, all of that neuro, you know, the electrical firing that's happening in your brain down all the way through your peripheral nervous system. It all kind of stays up there. So it's too much concentrated energy in one part of your one part of your body. And it's also very easy to dissociate that way. That's, it, Fawn is a form of dissociation. To never actually um, consider yourself when you are considering others is a form of abandonment. You are abandoning your body. You're abandoning yourself in order to take care of other people. That is an important thing to understand because without it you're just like well i'm just helping other people i'm just you know know, these people depend on me of course i need to go help them yes but have you taken into account of whether or not you are able to in your mind of course you're always able to but have you checked in with your body because have you eaten today have you drank water today did you get enough rest did you sleep enough last night? These are honest to God questions that when I, when I ask people who are in fond that whether or not they done, they're like, yeah, no, but I don't have time. Well, did you make the time? Because if something happens to you, you can't do all these things you do for other people. It's like literally not going to be possible. If all of these people are depending on you and you've made it so that they depend on you, what happens when you physically cannot do it? If eventually, eventually your body will win out, what happens, when that, what happens to all of these people, all of those things you need to do when you're not there? Who is it that's going to come and take care of you? Are any of these people going to show up for you when that happens? Most of the time, unfortunately, the answer has been no. Well, if I don't do it, somebody else will, but there's not going to be anybody coming in to check in on me. I'm going to have to take care of myself. Well, do we have to hit the wall before we get there to do that? That's kind of like, and it, it's not an easy thing to answer. It's an even harder thing to make the changes for because we do get a lot of validation when we show up for other people. It doesn't matter how much we abandon ourselves because even a little bit of validation is better than nothing because that's what we're craving. That's what, that's what the, the child inside of us didn't get. That's what they used to do in order to get a little bit of something rather than nothing at all. And that is kind of the hardest part out of shifting out of these responses. When you are stuck in either one of these responses, your inner child and your inner teenager will come out. There is no way around this. You will have to confront some way that the the, the younger version of you justified the behavior of the adults around you. That you didn't have, if when you didn't have the the support and the love and the, the honoring voice that you needed as a child, you come up with one yourself. That's Dr. Mate's, um, saying that I butchered, but it is, it is true. If you don't have a a voice that's coming to you, that's telling you what you need to hear, your mind will come up with one. And it's going to be the one that puts you at fault because you don't know any better. But at the end of the day, in either case, and most of the time in both cases, because again, these two responses coexist, you need to understand that putting yourself first, A, is not selfish. Even if people will call you that, it's not true. And B, you can only give of yourself what you have. You can't give any more than that. So take the time now before it's too late because your body will always keep track. Your body will send you a bill if you do not take care of it. But it is there to help you. You're like and this is one of the things about this series that I really kind of wanted to get across. These stress responses are your body working exactly the way it's been intended. And the whole reason that I have that I personally have had the experiences that I've had, I learned what I've learned, and I do the work that I do, is because one thing has always stood true. And we don't, when, when I was in medicine, we didn't tell this to patients. I don't even think a lot of doctors understood this because I know that I didn't learn this from any doctor. I learned this myself. I learned this from my ancestors who used to do this kind of work. But your body doesn't have an agenda outside of keeping you alive. So everything it does is to keep you alive. So if you have these responses, these stress responses, those were, those are there because that's what your body needed to do to keep you alive. It doesn't have an agenda outside of that. It's not here to make your life worse. It's not here to make your life miserable. It's here to keep your soul alive so you can live. And that is its only job. And we so often ridicule and demean our bodies because it does, they don't look like we want them to, they don't perform the way we want them to, when we want them to, how we want them to do it. But we've never actually done anything to give back to this body that exists for us to live. That's literally the whole reason we have one is just to be able to live on this planet. So If, when you do experience a stress response, the one thing, if we, if I could help you really kind of shift as far as how you think about yourself in these responses is that your body is doing exactly what it is, what it needs to do to keep you alive. And now that you know better, you can help it shift out of that and do something different. It will do what you ask of it to do. But you do have to give it a little bit of love and attention, just like anything else. Our bodies are living, breathing things. We do not get to treat them as disposable trash because they're not functioning the way we want them to. Maybe they're not functioning the way we want them to because we haven't given it the time and attention that it needs. And so, yes, you have like these two competing responses, right? Freeze, the antidote freezes movement. But if you move too much, you all of a sudden you're in fawn, and then your fawn is to stop. You have to stop and pause and breathe. Okay, well, and that this is where your own self-awareness comes in, and you have to kind of find a balance between those two things. Maybe you're only if you're something like if you're so if you're experiencing something like the way I do, which is you freeze in private, but you fawn in public. So you go a little bit slower in public, and you go a little bit faster in private. You do more, anything that will, connect, in, in both places, the, the response is actually the same. The, the, the foundation of both responses and the foundation to the antidote to both responses is the same. You need to get back to your body. You need to go get out of your head and shift your nervous system from out of the central nervous system into your peripheral to kind of start activating all those long nerves that come out of your spinal cord to be able to be like, okay, we're okay. I can take a full breath because I'm not fighting for my life. I'm not fleeing for my life, everything's fine. I can move freely because I am not stuck where I am. I have agency over my life now. And these are all things that you can do and the really the only, like, consistent and, um, efficient way of doing it is to just make sure you keep coming back to your body, move all the parts of your body, your legs, your hands, your feet, your shoulders, your elbows, your knees, your ankles, your toes, eh, your hips, your legs, all of it. You need to get back to, you know, touching yourself and making sure that you know that, Hey, my whole body exists here. I'm not just this floating head that has this like other thing attached to it that I don't know how to use. The antidote to both is to come back to your body and however that works for you, depending on where the freeze and the fawn show up, you do the best you can. All right, so I hope that helps. Um, I know I kind of went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I really felt like I had a lot to say and I really wanted to kind of reconnect from last week's episode to this one just to kind of show that, again, In the whole point of this Know Your Body series is really to help. what I have seen as like this low like this really like annoying ignorance that comes from the way we treat our bodies because there are these magnificent things that really can't don't exist in any other part of nature our bodies are so fascinating and the way that all these systems coexist and we treat it are we treat our bodies like trash because we've been programmed to we've been conditioned to do that and really there's just so So amazing and they're literally here just to help us live. That's like like that's the only point. So yes, our stress responses can be frustrated, especially when you've been living in them for so long and you've been working on healing all this stuff within you and all your trauma and all this shit and all this stuff and you're doing all of it and it still feels like you're kind of stuck with this. This thing that happens to you each time something like comes up, and you're just like, "Oh no, here we go again," and I don't know what to do. Well, this is what you do. And also, this is how, when the more you reconnect to yourself, the more you come back to your body when in these stressful, um, stress, in, in, in these stressful times, whenever your body is reacting that way. The more you come back to yourself, the more you reconnect with your body and learn what it needs when you have one of those stress responses, the more you, um, you gain self-trust, the more you instill within your nervous system that, hey, I can handle, I can take care of you body when you need me to. I will show up for you the way you've always shown up for me, even when I haven't asked. I hope that helps you guys, and um, I will talk to you all next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe, and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.